0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God this morning from Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's word. Uh, so most of you know that during this last church year, I set out with a goal to preach more on the Old Testament. And in fact, every single Sunday service that I've done, that has been the fact. I've preached on the Old Testament reading appointed for that day. Reformation Day presents a problem because there is no Old Testament reading for Reformation Day. The first reading from the book of Revelation. While well, I love the book of Revelation, I wanted to stick with the Old Testament, and that's why we read the entirety of our appointed psalm, Psalm 46, instead of our gradual, which is just a couple of verses. Okay? We don't normally read the psalm because it's a fair amount longer, and this day it seemed like a good idea to look at that psalm. Psalm 46 was, of course, the inspiration... For Martin Luther's hymn we sang at the beginning of the service, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And indeed, you guys should know this already, when the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, wants to emphasize something, it repeats it. And that phrase that I just read, that verse, is actually repeated twice in Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Those exact words are verse 7 and verse 11 in Psalm 46. And then we read that verse as the antiphon at the beginning and the end of the Psalm. So we read it four times in our Psalm for today. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Now I want to give you a little bit of background on Psalm 46. A lot of what's written in the Old Testament, we don't know much about how it was written or by whom it was written. We do know a little bit, at least about the authors, of Psalm 46. Normally, when you think about the Psalms, you think of David, King David, who wrote, I think, some 70 of the 150 Psalms that we have. Now, it's important for you to remember that the Psalms were basically the hymnal of Old Testament Israel. Especially by the time of the prophets, the last thousand years before Jesus, or even the last seven or eight hundred years before Jesus. By that time, the Psalms were established as being the music in the life of God's people. And it was much more elaborate than you might think for something that took place 3,000 years ago. They had a whole system of worship First in the tabernacle, which was there when David was king, and then later in the temple, the more permanent building in which the people worshipped. If you were to look in your Bible, and we do have Pew Bibles, you don't have to do it now, but if you were to take it out and look up Psalm 46, you'd see a little inscription, a superscription underneath the title, of Psalm 46. And it would tell you that this Psalm was written by the sons of of Korah. And it says it's to the choir master. The sons of Korah, we actually learn from the book of First Chronicles, were worship leaders and musicians from the tribe of Levi that served in the tabernacle during the time of King David. So even as David himself was writing so much of the words that would become the Psalms we read today... There were others whom the Holy Spirit inspired to write words as well. Among them, some of the musicians in the service of the tabernacle. Korah and his sons who wrote Psalm 46. And in so doing, if you look at the Psalms that they wrote, there's a little section of them. I think it's Psalms 42-42. 49, I could be wrong on that, but in the 40s, in, your, in your, your Bible, the Psalms, we see in the Psalms that they've written this theme that's all over Psalm 46, that God is a source of protection and help for his people. And in Psalm 46, we get that same theme all throughout. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, I can't help but wonder, when the sons of Korah set out to write Psalm 46, why did they say, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Why Jacob? Why did they call God the God of Jacob? Well, there's a couple possible reasons, and we don't really know the answer. It could have been because Jacob was also called Israel. So to refer to Jacob could just be a poetic way to refer to Israel. It could also be because Jacob was someone who knew what it meant to depend on the Lord's protection. Jacob was the one who had the twin brother Esau. Esau set out to kill him after Jacob had, first of all, taken his birthright from him and then tricked their father Isaac into giving him, Jacob, Esau's blessing. And then later on, Jacob and his family went through famine and drought. Jacob knew what it meant to depend on the Lord God, to be a fortress, to be a refuge and strength. But by putting the name Jacob here and referring to the God who cares for his people as the God of Jacob, these sons of Korah are reminding the worshipers in Israel That the God who cares for, protects, is a fortress, is a refuge, and is a strength for his people is the same God who has always been those things. He was that God for Jacob. He was that God for Adam and Eve. He was that God for Noah, for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was that God for King David. He was that God for all of Israel. the sons of Korah do by calling mind to the past when God had been faithful to Jacob and now was being faithful to them. So he's reminding the people of a concept we do well to remember today. Now today, on Reformation Day, I want to put a little bit of polish on a word that gets a bad name among us Lutherans. And That is the word, Catholic. What in the world am I talking about the word Catholic for on Reformation Day? Well, it's because of this. The word Catholic, which of course the Roman Church has made their own and refer to themselves as the Roman. Well, they don't even call themselves the Roman Catholic Church. We call them that. They call themselves Catholic because of this idea of, that is actually very, very biblical. The word Catholic comes from two Greek words, kata holon, which means according to the whole. The word Catholic basically means it applies to the whole, it applies to everything. And in the case of the church, we say that it applies to everyone. So when Rome calls themselves the Catholic Church, They're basically making a claim that we as Lutherans would disagree with that they are the church. They are the whole of Christianity. So if you want to be a Christian, you want to be a part of that church. But the problem's not with the word. It's a really good word, actually. If you look in your hymnals at the end of the creeds, it actually tells you that the word Catholic was used in those creeds originally we didn't say we believe in the holy christian church it was the holy catholic church in other words the church that applied to every time and every people to the whole of god's people and what psalm 46 does for us today is remind us of a very catholic truth Something that applies to all people of every time and every place. And that is that God is our refuge. He is a fortress. He is a very present help in trouble. In other words, God has always been the God who helps his people. And he never fails in that regard. That, dear friends, is a Catholic truth. And that's a good thing. A very, very good thing. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And he always has been. The sons of Korah, these musicians serving from the tribe of Levi in the tabernacle, wrote Psalm 46, expressing their confidence that the God who was a refuge, a fortress for Jacob, for David, and for Israel, will continue to be these things for his people. Therefore, they write, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Now I want you to appreciate here the picturesque language that these writers of this psalm are using in saying we will not fear. There are a lot of things that fill us with fear and with dread. But none of us have ever seen the earth give way or mountains moved into the heart of the sea. These musicians are describing something so outlandish that our minds can barely begin to comprehend it. The earth giving way. None of us have seen The earth opened up a giant chasm before us in the ground. Maybe some of you experienced an earthquake. I know I felt a couple little trembles down in Puerto Rico when I was there. But none of us have really experienced major earthquakes. Maybe some of you did if you've lived in different places of the world. But none of us have seen the earth literally giving way, opening up, and crumbling all around us. We have certainly never seen a mountain moved. Into the heart of the sea. I mean, the idea of Pine Mountain being moved into Lake Antoine seems preposterous, let alone mountains being moved into the seas. And yet, even should all those things happen, the people of God do not fear. We don't fear our demise or that of our loved ones or that of our communities or nation or the people of God. Though these things happen, they do not give us fear. There is no room for fear among the people of God. It's sinful because it becomes an idol. It becomes the thing that drives the way we think and drives the way we behave rather than the word of God. Fear should drive us to repent, to turn away. Because fear makes us slaves. It imprisons us as so many other sins do. Jesus in our gospel today talks about slavery. He talks about being imprisoned. We can be slaves to fear. We can be slaves to guilt. Slaves to shame. Slaves to sin. Is really what it all is. And so Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth today, for which we give thanks, is that the God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Adam, the God of Noah, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of David, the God of St. Paul, the God of Martin Luther, the God of our grandparents, the God of our parents. Our God is our fortress, our refuge and strength. There is a river, the sons of Korah write, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. We, of course, cannot say with any certainty what that river was of which the sons of Korah were speaking. But we can indeed, as God's people, think of the blood of Jesus Christ as being like a river that washes over us. A blood river that makes us righteous. Paul writes in Romans 3, our epistle today, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood he shed is not just some event of past ancient history, but it is a Catholic truth that Jesus shed his blood for all people of all times and of all places. And that means he shed that blood for you to remove your sin, to remove your fear, to give you a fortress. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had an instance where you've had to seek out a safe place. A fortress of sorts. I remember when I was growing up as a child, back in the days when, you know, there were three channels, right? Three, six, and 13. And there would be bad, bad weather. And you'd always have one of the local channels up, right? Because you're not, you don't have an internet, you don't have a weather channel app to check and see the radar or something. You're depending on, on the news to tell you, you know, your local stations to tell you what's coming. And invariably, there would be a time, maybe once or twice a summer, when it would say, you know, the, the blaring, you know, signal would come on the TV. Severe thunderstorm warning or tornado warning. Yeah. And um, when I was a small child, we, uh, we, we lived in a, in a um, you know, really small house, not really much protection there. So what we would do is we would get in the car, we would go up the road, to my grandpa's house, who had this big fieldstone house, very sturdy, very dependable. We knew a place where we could find fortress, protection, safety, shelter, when there was something dangerous coming our way. Well, here's the thing about the Lord God being your fortress, I'll let the sons of Korah describe it for her. They write, verse 5 of our psalm, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The her there is the people of God, a city, he describes them as. God will help her, his people, when morning dawns. God is in the midst of his people. You don't have to seek out fortress or protection because the God who is your fortress is already in the midst of you. Jesus explains what it is. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and the truth will set you free. We find our fortress. We find our shelter. In God's holy word, The word that lifts up Jesus Christ for sinners. The word that forgives us. The word that secures our eternity in heaven. The word that undoes fear. So, people of God, in the words of Psalm 46, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob has been, is now, and will continue to be our fortress. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.